DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It is time to talk with Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, DJ PK, brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show tomorrow from 2 to 6 at The Warehouse at 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. No boom, PK? Oh, are we doing multiple booms? Well, I ain't got to read it again. Boom! Okay, okay. Well, I thought it was your turn to boom it. Okay. Time to bring in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, good morning. Welcome back. I hope you're refreshed after your massive offseason. <laughs> yeah, it felt like we went to the postseason for quite a while. But yeah. no, I'm doing good. How are you all? We're doing well. We're doing well. Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year to you. I, I, did, I don't know if you guys gave it to me or not, but I did have a little COVID bout for about three weeks. So I can maybe I blame that on 1280. Get some kind of Oh, you did? How, how was it? <laughs> uh, Oh, terrible, man. I, You know what? Uh, I wouldn't want to go through it again. Everybody has a different mind. It, it's just kind of crazy how it happened. My wife got it, and I went right down and immediately tested negative, you know, and three or four days later I got it. But you know what? Uh, you just you get through it. But it's, I've never had anything quite light. Some people, like I said, some people it's pretty light. Some it's more difficult. Right. Obviously, right. a lot of people are – are dying from it, especially those that are elderly. And but it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun, and it took it took me about a month to just keep feeling normal again. So, but I feel good, and I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. Well, I'm glad you're doing better. I didn't know about that, but I'm glad you're doing better yeah. now. Thank you. So we have uh, we have many things to discuss with you, and I want to get the uh, saddest and heaviest out of the way first, <laughs> and then we'll get to the lighter stuff. Um, You probably know that uh, Ty Jordan, a star running back at Utah, freshman, they only had a five-game season. And we literally, I mean, he was just a name on the roster. We, You know, within Zoom year, we're not going to practice and scrimmages or anything. So game one, we see him, and he's one of four guys fighting for a job. And by game three, he's a starter. And by game five, he's a star. And I'm seeing stuff on the air, and I'm not the only one. But, like, not only is he going to the NFL, he's going in two years. This bonus year of eligibility is meaningless to him. He is wildly talented. And he's making big plays on fourth and one. He's breaking 40-yard touchdowns and 80-yard touchdowns. But it's not just breakaway speed. It's just he's capturing everybody's imagination. And so even though I literally was never in a room with the guy because of the way interviews are done, uh, he just captured everybody's imagination. And we wake up to the news Saturday morning um, that he's dead of an accidental gunshot. And it happened in Texas, and there aren't a lot of details. It's a long way away from here. Uh, but you're seeing the players react, and they have been in a room with him. And they've got intense personal relationships with him. And they are clearly hurting. And I, the staff is hurting, too. You know, we, we see comments come out from Mark Harlan and Kyle Whittingham. And then if you know other people, maybe you know what other people are thinking. But they're all taking it hard. And we've seen some of them out on social media. And you know what it's like. You've been in the locker room and traveled. And you know the bonds that are formed. And so while the coaches, you know, have to go through this themselves, they also have to help the players through it. And how do you, how do you possibly do that as a coach, both on the field and off? Because... You're always responsible for the wins and losses, and it's insensitive to talk about who the next running back is and all that. But at some point, it's going to have to be addressed. And yet, at the same time, you're going to have to address the emotional you know, grief these guys are feeling, and you're going to have to, you know, the mental health aspects, and some of the guys are going to be closer to them than others. Um, you know, position groups maybe interact more and all that stuff. What do you do, Steve? 
You know, I mean, I think first of all, you know, I think you do a, a lot. I mean, you're going to initially visit. I've had, and I've gone through in the last year, had two very my very closest friends pass away and die. Um, uh, one one to suicide and one to an accident. And uh, I, I know just from, I mean, you know, I'm in my 60s and, you know, I kind of understand life a little bit and I have a perspective. Um, it was devastating. I mean, it just took my breath away. And you take an 18 or 19 year old young man who, as you said, has developed these bonds. Um, you know, I think initially you, you know, you're going to get that group together. I, I don't know what it's like for COVID and all that kind of thing going on. Or if you can even get everybody together. For, but I think certainly there's going to be some guys who had a closer relationship with him. And, you know, there's one thing I learned over the last several years, just being around young people and coaching uh, being a mission president with 600 kids uh, in church and dealing with a lot of young, young adults, single adults. I used to always, it was very judgmental on my part, but I never really understood. It was my own ignorance about our minds and how they work and how important it is for young and old people to get counseling. And uh, I've seen it in my own family where anxiety and depression and uh, I am a great proponent for, of, of people getting help. And sometimes we don't want to do that. So in these extreme cases like this where you've got to go in and, and, and in those settings like that, it's going to be emotional. There's going to be some guys are going to cry and some guys aren't going to know what to do. And you kind of kind of have to process that thing. And, and really, as a coaching staff, I, mean, I can't even imagine a football coaching staff but everybody's going to have to have some responsibility. I think if I was in that situation, the first thing I would do would reach out to counselors and reach out to the, those that are that the university provides and, and get input. I think sometimes as coaches, we think, oh, we can deal with this. We'll chat about it, talk about it, which is absolutely appropriate. But it goes beyond that. And, and sometimes for some young men, this can be really lasting, and others can process it differently and get through it, and it doesn't impact them. But it would be really naive on – anybody's part not to give every young man an opportunity individually to, to talk to a coach or to talk to a therapist or to talk to someone because these things are real. And I, I I've seen it. It's funny. I, I, I never really understood. And so it was just my own ignorance when it came to professional people that can help people. And uh, as a coach, we can help kids and let them know that we love them and that uh, we can, you know, we we'll talk about the attributes of this young man and how he'll be missed and, and just come together. And that, that's a really good thing. But there will be young people on that team that need more than that. And, uh, and, and it would be wise on, and I'm sure they were. Listen, that's a great institution. They got all sorts of support. But on an individual level, there'll be young men that need help. And especially those that were really close and don't understand and be lots of questions, uh, it's heartbreaking. But I, I can just tell you that in my experience of working with young people, I used to take those things for granted. And then I started seeing upfront and personal as I talked to young people, what they were struggling with. I realized I didn't have those tools. And so I've, you know, Justin, even in California here, I found two or three uh, therapist guys that I really trust and, and like, and I myself have just kind of, hey, tell me how this works. And so I think that'll be a big part of the healing process as well as making sure they get that kind of support. 
So I've decided I don't know what your future holds. I know you already went on a mission, but if you go again, I'm fine with that. But you still have to make yourself available to us once a week if you go. (laughs) (laughs) There's not going to be another mission, hopefully. Okay. Okay. Uh, One of those, that three year, that three year deal, Malbar, that's a 24 seven. Oh, it took me a year to recover from that. (laughs) Okay. So what was worse, being a mission president or COVID? (laughs) Well, the mission presidency was, uh, had so many rewards, COVID, you know, you know, the funny thing about COVID and every, everybody had a different experience with it. And so you don't ever judge. You can only go by mine, but I've, I've seen enough people and talked to them. Some of them, it's like a cold. Some of it's like flu. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's crazy. The good news, the good news for me, I, my, my lungs were okay, but I had the fevers and, you know, all this. I, I lost 15 pounds. So that, oh, that might be a positive because <laughs> I lost my taste and smell. And you know what? I couldn't eat. And I uh, just started eating again. So I got to figure out some way to keep that 15 off. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, we're glad that uh, everything's okay and you're back and, and can give us your insight on basketball and obviously things that go beyond basketball because that's where we left off last summer with you talking about all the social movements that have been going on and then this thing here with this tragedy with Ty Jordan, very appropriate words on your behalf. As far as the basketball, you know, we've got NBA and college going on right now and I wanted to talk to you specifically about BYU. As I'm watching them play, they've had some great victories uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at the job Mark Pope is able to do because he's had two years now and he's bringing in overhaul on the roster both years. And we see it in the NBA to an extent. You know, how hard is it to just bring in a bunch of new guys and you can't really just roll out the balls and expect them to have immediate success? No, and it takes time. And I think the one good thing is that Mark has – He's got a system. He's got a program. There's things that he believes in offensively and defensively, and regardless of who plays, that that you know that system in. They, they've established a culture. He's been around this game a long, long time at the collegiate professional level. He's seen what works and what doesn't work. And you know the thing I think I like about Mark is that you know he'd be the first to admit that you know that, that was probably a mistake on my part. But he he has done a great job, and and, and you know credit new rules and this and that where guys can immediately get eligible. I mean, we, we dealt with a lot of transfers at both institutions where I coached and there is, there is a process, but it certainly makes things easier when you have a, a senior like Alec Barcho who, who understands the culture and understands it. And you have that kind of player led type team, even if it's only a, a guy or two, but they, they do have a, have a really nice, I've watched a few of their games and followed them. And I, I like the makeup of this team. And, uh, and obviously it's a coaching staff that really connects with young people. And, uh, but they've had good wins. I mean, going up to USU, I mean, it, it's, everything is kind of relative. I mean, going up to Utah State and playing in front of 1,000 people is not the same thing as playing in 10 or 11,000. But Mark Pope knows that. It's just the same thing, too, at home, you know, against Boise State. They probably beat Boise State if there's 20,000 people in the arena at the Marriott Center. But it is what it is. But certainly the San Diego State win, St. John. I mean, they've had good wins. But I, I like you. I like this team. And he's got, you know, the Averett kid seems to be getting better. Barcello, Harding. I mean, the, the surprises for me are Spencer Johnson and Nell, who have contributed three-point plays and three-point shooting. I, I think Loner's got a huge ceiling. 
and uh, I like him coming off the bench. I, he, they were starting him early, and there's a little bit of pressure there. But, you know, he's a kid that can play four positions, and, and, one, and once he gets confidence and starts shooting it, he, he's got a huge upside. And, and then you got Harms and, you know, who can stand underneath the basket and, and dunk it. You know, I mean, he, he's so big and Lee, Harward, they, they got a little bit of everything. So I, I look at them having a really good year, getting back to the tournament. Um, I think the league will be better. Obviously, Gonzaga, I don't think it's ever been better. But, uh, yeah, I, I like this team. And I thought that maybe this weekend's game with Pepperdine might be pretty good. And I hadn't really followed Pepperdine. I know that Edwards and Ross are two really, really good players. So I thought down there it might be. But, man, they've lost to Northridge, Santa Barbara, Bakersfield. Uh, you know, I mean, it, that doesn't make sense to me. So maybe things aren't as good as Pepperdine as I thought they were. Don't lump Santa Barbara with Northridge and Bakersfield. Come on, Steve. I got feelings. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'm sorry. Holy cow, man. I don't rough. know the guy. Do you know the guy? I don't know the guy coaching in Santa Barbara right now. But no, I he's don't. He's done a nice job. Yeah. Yeah, he's done a nice job. All right, so uh, you mentioned Gonzaga here. They're 7-0. and They've beaten four ranked teams. Mostly they thrash these teams. Are they are – they're, they're not quite – they're almost a unanimous number one in the poll. And obviously – and there's a lot of things working against a team. If you're not in one of the big football leagues and you're trying to be an elite basketball school, it can be done, but it's an uphill battle. Are they really this good? Are they even better than they're getting credit for? Is this uh, a bizarro COVID year so we shouldn't take this too seriously? Because just on the eyeball test, they look like they're off the charts. I'll go with the eyeball test. And I've seen them play twice for, you know, maybe five, six, seven minutes, and you follow their, you know, their scores and stuff. So I don't know that team not really yet. I, you know, as the season goes on, I'll get to know them. But, man, it is the absolutely best team I've ever seen him coach. And there's so much step. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen the landscape of college basketball enough to know, but it, it doesn't seem that uh, there's anybody to their equal right now. And, uh, you know, when, you, when was the last time we saw Kentucky with like five, six or seven losses? And, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a change of the landscape. And Gonzaga is the king of the hill right now, man. So when I've watched them, they look, I mean, they, they got a bunch of pros playing. They're playing together. And it's the best team I've seen. And, um, I mean, anything can happen. We've watched it happen in March or whenever they're going to end up playing the NCAA tournament this year depending on COVID, but uh, yeah, you can't, I wouldn't bet against Gonzaga. I mean, they're just, they're just so well coached and together. And here's another guy that brings people in, you know, transfers every year, and they just kind of, it's a smooth transition because they've got a great culture and they've got a system, and people just want to go there now. And, he, you know, I mean, they, uh, they're in a situation now that uh, – if people oftentimes, oh, we, is he going to, you know, Mark will take another job. He's not going anywhere. He's got as good a job as there is in the country. He's great players. He doesn't need to be at North Carolina or Duke or anywhere else. He, he's got his own great job right there. And uh, when he's, you know, when he decides he wants to quit, he'll quit. But oftentimes people talk about, oh, they're going to have a hard time keeping him there. Guy that loves fishing, loves that area. <laughs> and just loves winning 30 games a year, I, I, I would be shocked if he ever leaves Gonzaga. So since we lost last spoke to you, the Jazz were sold. Uh, we know Ryan Smith was interested in buying an NBA team. 
And somewhat of a surprise, but if you step back, you know that that's uh, been a goal of his. And he is a big-time Cougar fan, been involved down there in Provo, obviously. Do you know him at all? You know, I've, I've met him and talked to him a few times because uh, he was, uh, he was you know, he was still building and doing things. And, you know, when I was coaching there and then when Dave got going and uh, he got real involved in Dave's program towards the latter part of Dave's program. And... Uh, but he's been a great supporter of that institution. He's a basketball guy, an amazing golfer. He's really talented, um, and and so I, I think what a, what a, it, everything I've read and heard, and certainly the conversations I've had with him, you know, the few conversations I've had with him, really an impressive guy. And but he's competitive, you know, and, and whatever he does. And I know that there's a number of guys they hoop up every morning, and he and a lot of the. A lot of the guys down in in Utah, in Utah County play, and he, he he'll play three or four times a week himself. So he probably now he's got a really big place to play in. <laughs> but I know sometimes they're down there playing Brian Santiago, and those guys will play at the practice facility or play at churches or whatever. So now he's 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 a hoop guy, man, and he's passionate about it. And uh, he didn't take very long giving Gobert a, a, a healthy contract, so. Uh, It'll be interesting to, uh, and fun to watch. So they've already played a really good game and a really bad game. Uh, do you have any sense of who they really are in the long run? Because obviously there's going to be some of these games mixed into some level throughout the course of a season. Isn't that true for the league? I mean, you look at the scores in the first week, some of just horrific scores where, you know, it's going to take a while for everybody to work themselves into it. But, I, you know, I, the thing about it is this team obviously looks – they got favors, picked him up, got themselves a little bit better by getting him. But, you know, all the players are pretty much the same. And you would have that expectation. I think Conley – you know, remember last year when Conley got in, it took him a while to, you know, to kind of get, get things going. But you would think with Conley and Mitchell and Clarkson, guys that could all score it, Bogdanovich, they've already all had some bad games and they've had a good game. We'll just kind of see how things go. You know, I mean, the Jazz were so close last year, and my goodness, if you just follow the scores of games right now, it's like anybody can beat anybody on a given night. And when you're playing in front of no fans, people are going to get beat at home. And, and I think that's what the bubble taught everybody was that this is not this is going to be different, man. I mean, there's no home court advantage. I mean, once you play in a gym, and a lot of the games are going to be sometimes where they play two games in the same same city. You might play them on Tuesday, then play them again on Thursday or Friday. So there, is, there isn't a real advantage playing at home other than the fact that it's where you practice. Uh, but I, I really like this Jazz team. I think the predictions, I mean, they were really close. They had a chance to, to do something special last year, and it didn't happen. I think they seem committed. I, I mean, I don't think anything's really changed. I will say this, as I look my perspective on this, and I look at the teams that you think can win an NBA championship, and I know that's what the goal is for the Jazz, is that you've got to have two all-stars that can score it. I mean, you've got all-star guys that can score the basketball from lots of different places on the floor, and obviously the depth and all the other things you've got to have. But I think that, that you know, last year, we'll just go with what happened last year, you know, but there was inconsistency with scoring. Guys that just kind of go away, and then they come back. And, and, and obviously... Mitchell is, is, is the all-star, and Gobert's the all-star, but he's going to be a guy that scores 15 or 16 points a game because he's around the basket. 
He certainly protects the rim and he can rebound it. He, you know, he's a special player. But if if the Jazz don't get to where they want to go, I think at, at some point in time you, you take a combination of Bogdanovich and Connolly and, you know, who are all really good players in their own rights and, and Clarkson, who I love off the bench. But then there, you still ask the question if, if things don't go like they hope it will go a month from now, you, you wonder if maybe that one piece is missing still. So we know you know Paul George and you know him from Fresno State. You know him for a long time. You know him really well. Do you know him well enough to say, hey, Paul, what's it like to be down by 50 at halftime? Or is that something you have to let go? Oh, man. You know, the funny thing about Paul is that I will I'll text him and have a little conversation, and then the next week or, or a month later, you know, I'm not in contact. No, you know, he's changed his phone again. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that he's got a new phone right now. Uh, you know what? How, that that's ridiculous. That that with the entire team. I mean, it's just it's kind of like we're just going to give up. You know, and I realize Kawhi didn't play. And guys get down, and people are capable of doing that. But you got to have fight in you every night. You can't ha- you can't establish habits like that. I was really disappointed in that. And they had a really you know, I, I, I you know you know I'm a, a bit of a Laker fan as well as a Clipper fan because of Paul. But uh, you know, I mean the Lakers got their rings and they got all that or whatever they did there that night. They seemed to be a little bit off. But I, I thought the Clippers came out. I thought Paul came out. You know, I mean at 30, everybody seemed pretty focused, and then. You know they got to win without Kawhi. I mean, I mean, last year didn't Kawhi manage about eight or ten games where he didn't play? And uh, they're going to miss Harrell. Uh, I was I was kind of pleased as a Laker guy to see them pick him up. I'm telling you that the Clippers are going to miss him because he just had so much energy. But yeah, that's that's really disappointing to watch the kind of money they're being paid and the kind of exposure they have to just kind of basically quit. Well, Steve, we'll leave it there. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Glad you bounced back from uh, COVID, and uh, we will uh, talk to you again in 2021. All right, guys. Happy New Year.